So we've, um, we're going we're gonna to wade into this together, and let me tell you, remind you again where we are, what we're doing uh, in this little series. Uh, we're talking today about reframing retirement, and want to invite you to think out loud, and we've got a couple of folks that are going to give us a window into how they have thought or are thinking about that, and then uh, for the time that we have any, any dialogue discussion that we, that we can do together, we want to try that. But let me, uh, let me introduce it and set it up this way. This is from that book where we started, the J.I. The J. Packer book entitled Finishing Our Course with Joy. And I um, want to just uh, uh, kind of hit a point or two from this, and then, we will, then we'll shift gears. Uh, the, he's, there's a section in the book that he entitles Senior Believers in Ministry. Now, when he says ministry, he's not talking about what I do. He's talking about what we do uh, because we belong to Christ. It's not the professional or the vocational ministry that he has in mind rightly. And he says this, uh, elderly Christians themselves should press on in the worship and service of God and in pastoral care for others up to the limits of what they can still handle in terms of learning and leading. And he uses those two categories. We're continually learning. We're continually impacting and influencing. And that's how he defines leading. And I think that's great in a helpful way. And he goes on to say, uh, everyone is a leader to someone. And so as you think about the, the, the days that God has given you, as the, whatever number that is, uh, that, that we're continually investing them and spending them um, f- for God's good purposes in the world. And if there's anything to take away from today, I hope it's this, that you'll understand that calling and vocation does not equal employment. Uh, as an employee or employer or a, vo- or a job, calling and vocation is bigger and so we're all, we all have callings upon our lives that don't end when we, get the, when we walk out the door for the last time and start taking re, what, what we call retirement. So that's why the topic of the day is reframing retirement, rethinking that, thinking about our days, our, our, our energies, our abilities, and impact and influence. Um, Steve and Charlie have got some some things to tell us. Why don't you come on up, Steve? We'll start with you. And um, he's been thinking about this for a bit. We swapped a few ideas, and uh, this is just a window into one life and uh, things to learn from or to talk about, think about together. But thank you, Steve, for thank you. helping us. I'll try to be brief. Uh, well, I thanks everybody for uh, being here. And thank you, Tony. Uh, I, I think this is a wonderful class uh, because it's something that's needed for all of us old folk and also for the young folk as well. Uh, so I wrote my, most of my stuff down, so I'll probably read a lot of it. But the question is, does life as we experience it end or does it start with this thing called retirement? And I think the answer is neither. It doesn't uh, end or begin because it never ceases because it's a mandate. Uh, Our labors are a mandate given to us by God. And the work ethic and the calling 
that we have uh, never actually ceases. Uh, as Christians, we were still required to be, whether we're laboring and getting a paycheck or not, we're still required to be diligent and uh, uh, on time, disciplined, prompt, and to labor as unto the Lord. As soldiers, uh, or as athletes, or as farmers, uh, as we're told in Second Timothy, we're still called to obey and to produce and to finish the race. So that's the goal. So uh, I can only speak to how my wife and I have approached this idea of um, retreading, we used to call it, or repositioning or relocating or redeploying, but certainly not retiring, uh, as in ceasing to be functional. It's more like location for us because we just moved uh, up here from Georgia where it's hot today. So we're very thankful for that. Um, our vocation doesn't change as I've stated. Uh, and from close ties and belief in God's covenant with us, uh, we have strived, not perfectly, but we have strived to develop a biblical understanding of work and talents as it relates to us personally and to our family and also to our friends and to the church. Uh, there's a charge to use your talents and I found about 10 years ago uh, that I could no longer continue in my particular occupation which was orthopedic surgery uh, but because what I do believe to be true uh, that we almost labor unto the Lord, uh, my wife and I began to look at uh, a little bit more critically about how our lives uh, would look when changing jobs or location. And uh, we all know that uh, one can labor in a particular occupation well past one's usefulness or ability. And I think part of the takeaway is being able to be honest with ourselves and to look at our capabilities, our talents, um, and our, our loves, um, and to assess them appropriately. Uh, so we sought wisdom. We wanted to retain some fervor in life. Uh, some of the things we liked, talents, like I said, abilities, and uh, we realized real quickly we have to be willing to change, um, actually willing to change everything. And uh, providence sometimes comes in strange packages. Uh, I think uh, it brought us to Tennessee and to Cornerstone, and uh, we like it. We like providence, we like Tennessee, and we like Cornerstone as well. So we're very thankful. Uh, but. Uh, faced to, with the reality of um, aging or infirmity, or both, we purpose to become a little bit more proactive toward life as God has provided for us. So we can learn some things, but not everything. Emphasize that. Uh, what I'm saying is just for one person. But there, there's some truth there, I think. Um, 
particularly as it relates to uh, accepting circumstances and abilities, trying and praying and adjusting, being obedient. We're all in that boat, and we're, none of us are there yet, obviously, but we're trudging on. So uh, a couple points as it relates to family relationships. Um, we were blessed to meet some very wonderful Christian advisors. And the first thing we did was we began having yearly meetings with our children. Uh, and why? Well, we love our children. Obviously, we like to do stuff with them. We have four children and spouses and 19 grandchildren. We like to be around them. Um, but we wanted to acquaint them, especially our children and their spouses, with the complexities of wills and testaments and living wills and um, all the things that we've discussed, trusts, estate matters. Um, the desire that we had was to create a, a legacy. Um, and I don't mean um, the erection of a stone monolith um, to mom and dad or anything like that. I'm talking about a legacy, a Christian legacy that's related to the covenant, standing on uh, our shoulders, uh, as pitiful as they are, uh, to improve uh, the base so that their children can stand on their shoulders. Uh, and I, I mean that primarily toward um, growing in adulthood, growing in the faith. That's the legacy. And uh, when they were learning and they were praying and uh, pursuing the truth, uh, there was much catechizing and much discipline and much love toward their being able to pass that on to the next generation. So that's the one thing I think we, we, uh, we really feel like it's our duty. Uh, at the same time, we wanted to iron out any differences early on with our children. Uh, any conflicts they might have that would hinder us from going forward. So we got together with a family, um, I guess you would call it a retreat. And we sang and we talked and we prayed and we uh, played bluegrass music and uh, we hiked and we discussed our hopes for them and their children. And that was the, pr the primary purpose. We wanted them to live as a covenant family. We wrote a letter indicating all our desires uh, that we had for them and their future uh, in Christ. And we read it to them. We sat down and we talked about it and we all cried. So there's much more to the legacy concept, though, than, uh, than wills and trusts, obviously. Uh, providing an inheritance is more than money. It's a requirement, though, that we provide an inheritance, and it is multifaceted. Um, so set aside funds to grow, if possible, and uh, do it early and sacrifice and protect your assets and trust and tithe and give. Those were our principles. And all this planning... Um, before um, 
hopefully way before for those of you who are really young, uh, the day of death. Plan early, plan ahead. There are a lot of little things that you can do, uh, I found, that helped us. One, um, because we, as we get older, we become more infirm. Uh, plan, uh, develop hobbies. Plan uh, uh, to develop hobbies. If you don't have any, get something that you love to do that pleases you and others, that contributes to the kingdom. Um, activities that bring joy and fulfillment to you uh, when you don't have your job, in, your day job anymore. Um, find those while you're able to find them and put your time and effort into them. Uh, <clears throat> aging is a blessing. I'm learning this um, painfully. Uh, my body does not agree with that statement many days. Uh, but we should wear it well. Um, one of the major things, uh, contribute in every way that you possibly can to the growth of your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren in the faith. Uh, every time you get a chance to encourage them, we should do that. Practice uh, covenant evangelism. So what now? <clears throat> like, like all of us here, we're trying to uh, figure out what God wants us to do. Um, we're still trying to learn. We're still staying open to change. Um, believe you me, moving from a farm, a big active farm, to a house that was a fourth the size, downsizing, very important and very painful. Um, so I've lear I'm, I'm learning about godless, uh, uh, being godly with great content is a, is a very good, good uh, uh, thing to treasure. And we're promised uh, that we will bear fruit in old age. I like that. Um, so there are a couple of, I know we're short, a couple of axioms I'd leave with you. Um, one, and this is coming from an orthopedist, okay. Chuck's not here, but uh, don't stand up too quickly. That's the first thing I'd like for you to go away with. Don't stand up too quickly. Downsize before you're forced to downsize. These are heavy. Stubbornness or obstinance, which we discussed in the early part of the classes, makes for a fractured hip or a serious automobile accident. So don't be stubborn as you get older. Re retire versus retread or repurpose or relocate. I prefer just a change in venue or relocation. So that's about all I had to say. Thank you. Charlie, come on up. Uh, what we're intending, this is, this is, come on up. This is just intended to sort of prompt your own thinking of some things. We may not have time for the dialogue that uh, 
we would like to have, but think with us about just how you're getting windows into uh, how other people are thinking about this stage and this, uh, all the things that go with forming our lives around calling and purpose. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, I'm Charlie. Wow. I could sing right now. Maybe you, want, you don't want that. Um, what I have to say is probably a lot different, and Steve, that was very well said. Um, my life has been um, completely, I've been on retirement my entire life, basically. But it started, and I'm gonna start it because it's important to understand. When I was very young, I managed some artists in Los Angeles, and they happened to be very influential artists. I became entrenched in the music industry and did very well. And all of a sudden, I uh, saw a painting, and that painting was a tightrope walker that had a pyramid and a cross on each end. And my wife that I'm married to today painted that painting. When I looked at that painting, this little tap said, what, what kingdom are you in, the one that rusts and goes away or the one that lives for eternity? At that point, I changed my life. I got rid of most of the artists I managed, fell three months behind on my rent, but I wrote a business plan to take artists of a heart for God and put him in the ocean, not a pond. And we came here and actually created the Christian music industry as you know it today. That's how it started. So my life has always been purpose for the Lord in what I do. That doesn't mean I did that all the time. So I've always planned five years out, my planning. And in that journey of planning five years out, it was always, you know, what are you going to do in those five years? How are you going to be in people's lives? Um, what are you going to do with your money? Is it your money? No, you're a steward. And I've always known that. But every five years always changed. So no matter what the plan was, your wills, your trusts, which we've all talked about, right? Your family, most importantly, as Steve pointed out, having communication with your family is so important in the times that you're getting of age. And as you're getting of age, giving up, which in the business that I'm in and still in, you tend, it's a young man's world. So all of a sudden you start to think in your head, giving up. And that's not at all what God wants us to do. He wants us to continue to move and to continue to do it with zeal in every moment and every day. So I don't know how many here have had three or four things in their lives that have stood out that has actually guided you through your journey. Um, and what I'm saying, the legal aspect of trust, the legal aspect of, of how you set your family up and what you do with that, and actually how that affects them going on, your grandkids and others, how they take money and what they do with it. I work with a lot of trust fund babies. And I got to tell you, it's harder working with them because they have so much and given so much, but really didn't have to work for that. And the responsibilities of, of helping those and mentoring those, whether that's your grandkids or whomever, has always been an issue for me, right? So what do you do? with your money? And when do you sell everything? Or when do you give up everything? And when the door opens up and God says, go that way, do you go? Or do you hesitate? And where's the vision come from? And so for me, and the reason I'm up here, 
is because there's been three or four things in my life that have really affected me. And every one of them had to do with death. And which is amazing. My mother died when I was 13. And it didn't affect me at all. It was like, well, I didn't see her a lot. She was sick. But it wasn't about she was gone. And then my sister died at 33. I was 30. That affected me more. It was the first time in my life I ever cried. And my heart swelled up more. My, my, my lungs swelled up. I felt, wow, there are things talking to me that I've never felt in my life. Things that go deeper into my life. And how important that moment was in my life, right? And, and others in your life that a priest, I was nine years old, I didn't even know this. I'm nine years old and um, I'm, I'm driving with my dad and, he, and I look at this little chapel all messed up and I said, no. And my dad goes, what do you say no for? I said, I, I think I'm supposed to open up that chapel and, and go over there and, and be a preacher or something and I'm in the ministry was never part of what I was supposed to do and he goes no don't you remember when you were nine years old you tugged on a a priest and said teach me about Jesus I didn't follow Jesus after that I went through that but I never followed Jesus I went into the world became what I did and jumped into it but if there's anything I have to say that I think has been so important not just the planning planning is very important it's the people It's who you're touching lives every day. As I get older, it's really about these these young guys that are got so much beautiful heart and are so grounded. How you mentor them and give them everything that I have that I can. And what do you do with your your funds? And when do you get rid of it all? The junk. We burnt our house burned down in 2003. Kathleen and I lost everything that we ever had. And when we looked at it, we go it's just gray. It doesn't matter. And, and so if, if, and you notice I didn't write anything down because I'm really not good at writing anything down. If I write it down, then I sort of get messed up. But I think that the journey for me, because of what I do, my life is vision, go after it, build it, help others, build companies. I help artists, but really most of, mostly I'm in people's lives People that are influential, that touch people's lives out there with music, with acting and other, and those people right there, they need more mentoring than you can imagine because of the tugs and pulls of this world. This world can tear you up, can make you drink. Just watch the country music documentary. And, and you know, and, and, and a lot of those people I've been involved with. And what God always said, Don't be a yes person, be a no person if you're going to be in this business. So my life's been a retirement. I've retired three times. So one time, you know, you're a CEO of a company. Next thing you know it, you're not. And I took three years off. I went fishing. I did all that. I got bored after about six months. How many fish can you catch? Even though it's a blast, right? So if there's anything I can give you, plan. That's important because we plan. Plans don't always work, you know? God's got a different plan. And God's plan, when he says go, you gotta go. When he says stand up, it's about vision. Get a vision and go for it. 
Touch people's lives. Touch, touch people's lives. I take people hunt. I take these kids hunting. I got kids that were this big. Now they're this big, and they've been hunting with me for years. Now they do all the work. See, because I, I, I can't even pull my bow back hardly anymore. It's like, you know? But take care of your body. That's really important. But most of all, take care of the people sitting next to you and love well. And that's what I've learned, that be truthful and love well. And that comes back to you. And the hardest one to love is the ones closest to you, like your wife. I have a hard time, I don't know about you guys, but I have a hard time praying with my wife as much as, like, why? I even ask myself, why is that? Why, why don't you sit down more? Because we have our order. Sit down more. But I hope that... Um, you walk away with what I'm saying, which is my life's been a retirement, in a sense. It's not easy doing what I do, but, but one thing I've learned is that God points the direction. He gives that to you. It's within the scriptures. It's grounded, but he speaks to you, and he gives you that through the Holy Spirit. And when he does that, touch somebody's life that's right in front of you when you know you should. Hug somebody and, and just be, you know, be of order, because order is, is really important. So I hope that helps a little bit. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thank you both. Um, for those windows, that's really what we were hoping for today. It was just a little bit of a glimpse. Maybe um, your stories may not map on to, to Steve or Charlie's uh, one-to-one, but but then the kinds of things that you heard from them that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now are, are this notion of being intentional, of being thoughtful, intentional, asking God how to do this. <laughs> how do we do this? And again, reminder, we're talking to some of us who are aging, and we're also talking to a younger generation who have parents that are in that or will be. But, but to be intentional, to th- be thoughtful, to, uh, to be awake to what God is up to. Um, I have a friend once who said, I said, well, so what do you do? And he said, well, what? And he was in ministry, so just factor that in. But he just said, well, I wake up in the morning and I spend time with God and I spend the rest of the day with people. Um, Sometimes somebody will ask me about my week and I'll describe the meetings. I'll, I'll refer to meetings and they say, you know, I just, I just can't go to all those meetings. And I say, well, meetings are people. You know, if you're having a meeting without people, don't go to that one. But, <laughs> but, but, but we're, there are people that God has around us. And the question is, how do we attend to that and to pay attention to them? And, um, what we're trying to steer away from is what is a default. And that is the longer we live, the more it becomes about us and our needs and our health and our choices. And, and you'll, you'll see that on the commercials. You've earned it, right? So spend it. It's yourself. Um, and do what you want to do. And some, some financial planners will go about it that way. This is your, your golden years. Um, that phrase, I think, actually came from a developer in out west who developed Sun City. You remember that whole venue, that old notion? That's where the golden years phrase came from, as I understand it. But what we're trying to steer against is that inward bent that some of us are ready for because we've, we've invested our life in 
in earnings or in uh, careers and we're exhausted and now we get to sit and soak and rust <laughs> and, and, and ebb away. And no, that's not it. No, we want to, the, the image that Paul gives us is the finish line. And how do you approach the finish line? You're, you're stretching for the finish line. You're leaning into it. So you, the, the finishing the course with joy is with all of our strength and, and purpose. Pay attention to those that God has around you. Write some of it out. I, I think Char Charlie's right about you can plan something and, then that, and watch that not happen. But, but the other side of it is it, don't just drift either. It's okay to be intentional about what it is that God places in front of you and go, 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 go after it with all the energy and capacity. And just to kind of finish this, we've used this phrase, uh, redeploy, or Steve had three or, three or four different uh, names for it. Um, it's recognizing that, that we don't stop, but we find what we can do physically and cognitively and do it with, with zeal. And that we and we're spending uh, what God has given us. We're we're still stewards of the gifts God has given us. Those don't go away. In fact, they even mature. Right? Some of the you know, when will the spiritual gifts that God has given you be at their fullest? Well, it doesn't stop at age sixty or sixty-five. It's probably even beyond that. And uh, and God's given you to us and us to one another to, uh, to, um, to see good things happen as the body of Christ looks to the head of the, head of the church, uh, living this out uh, in each other's lives and in the world. So um, next week, we're going to hear again from Jim uh, Taylor. Um, we've talked about legal, financial. We've talked about uh, just the spiritual component of this. Uh, Jim is going to actually talk through funeral matters. It's just kind of thinking through those things. For some of us, uh, the first time I really had a, had a dose of funeral home is, is when my, both of my parents died. So what is that like? What are the decisions? What to expect? Kind of what are the options? And Jim has done this for, for, for decades now, and he'll be with us uh, next Sunday. The one after that, Nate will lead us through a, a forum-type discussion about ethical matters, end-of-life decisions. And some of those are decisions you need to anticipate and put in writing, but also you're likely to be involved in those discussions with family members about others at any age. So uh, that's how we will finish this little series. There will be a Thanksgiving Sunday. Uh, the Sunday before Thanksgiving is the one where we will so, uh, all, we'll all gather here during the Sunday school hour for that thing that we've done uh, the last several years. And then there will be a three-part series to follow that before Christmas I'll tell you about uh, next week. Thanks for being here. We're done. We heard the bell. <laughs>